see if anyone has it. It's harder. Is that better? Much better? Thank you. Thank you. Now it's too much better? All right. So we'll have an ask, a question and answer towards the end. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other session. They're available on CD. The format of this session is three speakers. Each will share for 20 minutes, followed by 10 minutes of question and answers, finishing up with 10 minutes of open pitches. The topic, as I mentioned, uh, is we, the first word of the 12 steps. Our first speaker is Katie. Katie, would you come on up? Thank you. I just got some ice, now I gotta chew it off. <laughs> Hi guys, um, my name's Katie, I'm a compulsive reader. <laughs> Everybody. Um, I, have, I brought pictures, I think that's important part of the story and it fills in things and helps me qualify and so I'll just pass them this way and if you guys don't mind throwing them down to the audience when you're ready that'd be great <sighs> you know part of me is kind of relieved that this is a smaller group um, you know I've I've got a lot of experience in training and public speaking and I do it pro pretty regularly you know at my work and um, for some reason I can I still get kind of nervous when I'm not prepared like I feel like I've got, I didn't prepare enough um, and I think that's an ego thing. Like, I want to give this great share that y'all, you know, will inspire you guys to blissful abstinence. And, um, you know, that'd be great if that happens, but it's really not me. You know, if that happens, it's going to be higher power that, you know, inspires y'all to blissful abstinence. Um, and, you know, and I'm also having this wonderful, um, you know, fight in my head about the didn't prepare enough. You're going to do fine. It doesn't matter. And blah, blah. You know, it's, just, it, it's that ego gets, what am I trying to say? The part of me that beats myself up for not being good enough, and this, that's for anything, you know, you know, not preparing a speech or not missing a bill or missing anything, you know, missing something that I should have done. Um, I'm getting better at not beating myself up about being an imperfect human being, and that's part of working this program. But um, and, and the other thing that heartens me around this, I remind myself of the third tradition: the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. All right, I qualify. So no one can kick me out if, you know, I gain weight, lose weight, abstinent, not abstinent, um, you know, give a really awesomely great, inspiring share or one that just makes absolutely no sense. You know, I'm, I'm here in this fellowship and that's a really good thing. So back, so actually getting to the topic, the topic is we, it's the first, um, the first word in the 12 steps. And when I read that, I really interpreted that as, um, I just remember the slogan, it just came to me the slogan, this is a we program, and I don't have to do anything alone. And that's, um, and that's a concept I constantly get re-reminded of. Um, and, and I need to be reminded of that. Um, I think I, I either came out of the womb or learned really early on um, to be really independent. Um, my parents tell me that, you know, when I was at that, you know, the, that stage, you're like two-ish, three-ish, where, you know, kids are going, mine, it's mine. I was saying, mine self. Like, I'd get mad if they tried to help me with things, you know, which would be, it'd be reasonable to help a three-year-old child who's too small or not developed enough to do stuff. But I would get really mad because I wanted to do it myself. And I still can expect myself to have to figure things out. So it's like, what's wrong with me that I don't know how to? I mean, some, I don't think anybody in this room knows this, but I'm trying to start a new career completely new. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. There's technology, there's techniques, there's stuff I don't know. And I can still get all like, well, why am I not 
doing faster at this? It's like, because I'm learning something brand freaking new. Um, so there's, there's that. And, and so it's, um, yes, yeah, so this is a wee program. We got, I, mean, I need help to do anything. Um, so just to qualify a little bit about my story, I mean, I was, um, I'm pretty sure I was, I don't know, a compulsive reader from a small child. I, you know, I, I was told I was overweight when I was about, well, actually, I take, the doctor told my mother I was overweight when I was about seven, even though I could understand perfectly what she was saying. Um, and I don't know what I was doing with food at that time, but that was the first time I recall food being an issue. And I definitely know at that time I was the kid who could, you know, eat all the food at a party. Um, if, it, if a holiday had, you know, candy or, you know, I could eat, my stash would be gone, you know, in like two days. Like lasting a week was a long time. Um, and I was kind of a normal, I was a pretty, actually pretty normal sized little child. I've seen, there's pictures in my, in there, um, of me about the time I was told I was overweight and I think I looked pretty normal. Um, and I was bordered on chubby ish, you know, as a, as a preteen, um, but uh, I think that was baby fat because literally when I got it, when I when I hit puberty I got taller I got hips and breasts everything rearranged itself and I got thinner um, but I was still doing the behaviors you know I was like sneaking brown sugar out of the out of the box in the cupboard um, nobody questioned if food was missing because you know my brother who's six five and very athletic you know just needed needed to eat a lot more than me um, so they probably figured food was missing my brother took it. Um, so fast forward, I first heard about OA when I was in high school. Um, there was a, a poster on uh, the, wall, uh, the wall of the classroom of one of my teachers, and it said, oh, anorexic, bulimic, try Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I think, you know, I wasn't doing anorexia or bulimia, but I think the term overeater really caught my attention. And I remember, like, surreptitiously writing down the number and, you know, with the whole story prepared, like, this is for my friend. And, um, you know, that was back in the day of no internet. So I, I, I think you had to call and leave a, leave your address. And they, they sent me an unmarked envelope with the, with the meeting schedule. And I'm really grateful my parents respected my privacy. They just gave me the mail and didn't ask what it was. And I found a meeting. And um, that was my first experience with the fellowship as I went to a meeting um, the day before Easter of 1990. And people were really welcoming. You know, I, I, I found every excuse of why I didn't fit in. You know, I was too young, too white, too straight, too single, whatever. And, um, but what we had in common with all those people in the room is we all wanted to stop doing harmful things with food to ourselves. That's what we had in common. And, um, they were so welcoming. And I think a little while later I got a sponsor. I worked the steps, lost a bunch of weight. Um, and then without going into the whole story, but I, I everything kind of fell apart. I, I lost my abstinence um, during my grandfather's wake. Um, and that that's there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole fourth step around that family issue. Um, but I lost I lost my abstinence, couldn't get it back, my sponsor dropped me, um, and then I spent another year and a half floundering around the program trying trying to get it to work. Um, I mean I went to meetings, I tried to make friends, I tried to find a sponsor. Um, I mean I was I was 18 and 19 years old, so there weren't a lot of people my age. And you know, they, every time I'd sort of um, connect with somebody, they would go away, which you know happens when you're you know college age. People transfer, they move away, whatever it happens. But I um I just felt like I was not connecting with people. I, I, there wasn't a lot of we there for me. Um, and I woke up one day realizing, you know what? No one is holding a gun to my head to go to meetings. I will still graduate college if I don't go to meetings. I, no one's going to put me in jail if I don't go to meetings. And um, so let me just tell you, thank you all of you for showing up to this meeting, this convention. 
um, because at least at this moment, you, you must want to get better. And at this moment, we're all abstinent right now, so go us. Um, and then, which is another thing that, anyway, I'll, I'll finish the story fast and then I'll get to some more of my points. Um, so I left and then fast forward, I came back in um, 2000 and I didn't expect to, I didn't plan to come back to OA. I mean, I was, I lost a bunch of weight doing a, a commercial diet plan and, um, but I was starting to eat really compulsively again. Like I was binging like crazy. Um, and I remember, um, how did I do this? Oh, I, I can't remember the whole story, but I was, I was praying one day about God, you know, God, I want to do something about this food thing and my weight. And, um, I said, I don't want to go back to Overeaters Anonymous to do it. Um, cause that was in my head. I'll take care of the spiritual with this, with this church group I'm in. I'll take care of the physical with this, you know, diet club I'm in and I'll take care of the emotional with therapy. And I'm not knocking any of those things. Um, I definitely supplement my, my program with outside things, which work for me, but those were not keeping me abstinent. And even though I told God I was not coming back to the, to OA, I somehow found a meeting, presume, I'm presuming through the internet because I was around then, back then, um, and then I walked into a meeting on May 1st of 2000, and I've never left. Um, I mean, I've gone up and down, up, all, all over the scale of like, I freaking hate all you freaks to like, I love everybody, like, you know, like, I just love everybody, but I've never... I've never thought to leave because I just know this is where I'm supposed to be. And, and you guys get it. Um, you know, we get it. We, <laughs> you guys get why if I walk into my office and someone's put a plate of cookies on there, I might want to scream. Um, and that's happened where I like literally was like, oh my God, it was the same thing. They might well put a severed head onto my, onto my chair. Other people would be like, normal people would be like, well, just don't eat them or have one and let it go. It's like, you know, you guys get why that would be a little, a little stressful. Um, so, so that's, so, so my, my theory on that is that God did not want me to, God was not going to strike me abstinent on my knees by myself in my room. Um, God wants me to be with you guys. So I think there's a reason we is the first, the first, uh, word. It's like, we're meant to do this together. Um, and I've, and I've always believed in God. I've always believed in like sort of a, a higher power being. Um, but I think God wanted me to experience him with, with skin on among you guys, you know, the higher power of the group, um, and so that's why I got led back to a meeting. You know, and I loved the, um, the song at the opening nights. I was, I'm definitely an isolator. You know, um, I, you know, if I, if I have the choice, sometimes I'll stay home. Sometimes it feels hard to be social. Um, and I think I was feeling a little overwhelmed. You know, it's like I had to fly down here and, you know, you're on a packed airplane in a packed airport and, you know, you got to hustle through all that jazz. And then I get to this place I don't know. Oh, I've got 10 minutes left. Thank you. And, um, you know, there's not, doesn't seem like there's that many people from my area. And I know, I know a lot of people here cause I see people at convention every, every year. Um, but it, it felt kind of like, wow, where are my people from Northern California? And, you know, I didn't have a roommate this year. So I, I was feeling really isolated. Um, so at the opening last night when they started the song, I just was, oh, that felt really heartening. And I was sitting next to some really cool people who I, um, um, you know, somebody, some people I just met, some people I'd met before once or twice. So that was great to reconnect. And, and that felt really good to be like, oh, we're together. And, you know, and then they did the things with the, you know, where are you from and how long you've been in program. And it just was such a camaraderie of like, yeah, we're all in this together. You know, no matter how long we've, we've been coming back or where we're from, like right now we're together and this is great. So that was, that was a really good shot of, um, of positive, of energy. Um, Oh, and the other thing they pointed out, like, and I like to point this out too, is like everyone in the room right now is abstinent at this moment. And that's, 
that is such a concept, good concept to remember that it is possible, right? Right now we're all, we're all abstinent, you know, and we can do it with each other. You know, that's, that's what happens. Um, I wrote down something about the dance last night. I remember I went, I went to the dance. I, I love to dance. And, um, uh, so what it was moved to Friday. It's usually on Saturday night, but whatever, it got moved to Friday. And I went there and I remember, you know, part of the back of my head is like, Oh, I should be prepping for my talk tomorrow. But Oh my God, it was so great to be on the dance floor, sharing recovery and fellowship with all these other cool people. You know, I, I think that was probably like, <laughs> just that's, that's what we need to do. We need to be with each other. And I think that's a little more important. Um, I'm going to talk about service as well. I, for those of you on the tape, you can't tell I've got this, some notes and they're just sort of, I'm just going down bullet points as best I can. Um, service. Yeah. There's, that's a tool that I think, well, first of all, everyone I know who's got long-term recovery has worked all the steps and they do a lot of service. And, um, I've, you know, for me, when I first came in, I mean, I think there's, there's ways to do service for everybody, no matter what, how long you've been in program or how much abstinence you have. So my first service was putting away chairs after a meeting or t- giving somebody a ride home because that's what I could do. And also being, you know, I, I mentioned I'm an isolator. I'm afraid of people and stuff. I could have the conversation about, oh, you got that? Oh, does that chair go over there? Yeah, okay. When I take that and, you know, or in the car, I could talk to somebody for 10 minutes. I could do that, you know, and if we have nothing to talk about, I'm just driving. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Um... And then as I gradually got more, more abstinence, I had, I've done more, you know, higher level things. I mean, I've, I've done, I've been a world service rep. I've been on many convention committee, you know, committees and, um, it's really, and every single time I get more connected to more people. Um, and it keeps, and it keeps me coming back. So, um, so yeah, so there you go. That's that one. Um, and the segue into that is that my, my first, um, I guess service commitment was being a speaker getter at a, at a meeting. And we were, I remember being at the service, the, um, the business meeting where they were electing, uh, um, they were electing the new positions and the speaker got comes up. My sponsor at the time who happened to be at the, at the meeting says, I nominate Katie. And I couldn't think of a reason to say no. So, Oh God, I guess I'm the speaker getter, oh, you know, and I just learned how to do it. And, and thing, I think about that service, it makes you call people. You got to call people. You got to go to other meetings and find people. And um, you got to ask, you got to ask for something. Oh my God, I have to ask for something. Um, so that there's that. But then in terms of sponsorship, that's another way to connect with people. I mean, right now, um, uh, I've had like what, three or four, I think I've had three sponsors since I've come back and, um, I know two of them are still in program. I mean, one, one sponsor and I had to, part, had to part ways for some very specific reasons, but we're still friends and we still get along and we still see each other in meetings and we still connect and, you know, we've carpooled this stuff together. Um, my current sponsor is just perfect for me. She's like, I think she's like two years, I think she's three years, three years older than me, um, biologically. And I think she's three years older than me in program. So she's, it's, and it's, and we just really connect on a lot of, a lot of levels, both in terms of program and in terms of friendship and fellowship and, um, so together we do this, and she's been a really good support in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Um, I've also, in terms of being a sponsor, um, I've had some really, I've had really good experiences being a sponsor. Um, uh, it's it's wonderful to watch people, you know, come in and they don't get the program, and you, and you just slowly spoon feed it to them. And, and and when people are really committed, it's so it's so wonderful just to be a witness for that because I'm, I'm really not doing anything it's all the sponsor you doing the work I'm just a witness I'm just helping them it really helps me more to, to, to be a sponsor 
and I, and I have, I have a note about one particular sponsee who, um, she's actually, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm definitely, uh, how do I say this? Um, she's been a huge support to me. So, uh, you know, um, she's a lot older. She's probably the same age as like my mother say. And, um, I know at one point I was, um, at one point I was engaged and that relationship was just tumultuous and I was having issues and we ultimately broke up and I remember that that sponsee being a huge source of support for that issue in my life um and part of me was like it felt kind of weird at first like hey I'm the sponsor like I'm supposed to be more I don't know better (laughs) whatever and but I realized okay wait a second I may be a sponsor I may have more abstinence than this woman but she's been married like 30 years so I think she has a little experience strength and hope in this area you know um so, so that's, and I think that's another point I'm going to make, which is a little off topic, but it's like, and my friend and I were, were talking about this outside the meeting before this, this isn't a moral issue. Like, I'm not better than anybody that I have more abstinence than. I'm not better than anybody who's got, you know, or less time in program than me. Uh, I'm, I'm just somebody who, you know, managed, managed to keep coming back and, and do what it takes to stay abstinent, you know, and it happens sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I know people that have taken it almost a decade to get abstinent, but they keep coming back and keeping coming back is better than going out there and just floundering around by yourself. You know, that's the way I look at it. Um, and, and, and I guess more and more, I mean, I mentioned, like I said, I mentioned I'm, I, I'm an isolator. I, that thought comes into my head of like, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I, if I'm feeling really uncomfortable about something, um, I've done enough 10 steps, both written and, and mentally that sometimes the next I have to, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? Okay. What's the next right thing to do? Sometimes the next right thing to do is just sit with the feeling and, and just let it be. Other times it's like, pick up the phone and call somebody and just tell them, Hey, I'm freaking out about this thing. You know, help me out. Thank you. And, um, and there's people in the program that do that for me too. There's a one woman in the program. She calls me at least three times a week with a 10 step, but it's just wonderful. I love hearing it. I love that she trusts me enough to want me to hear this and, Groovy. And she's got a sponsor, so it's like not like I'm her only source of support. It's like she's she's working the program, and God bless her. I think that's a great um, model for me that I, I could do more often. <sighs> um, what else do I want to talk about? I think that's about all I have to say. Um, that's. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to quit there. I'm just I'm really grateful you guys are all here. Um, I'm grateful for this convention. I'm grateful that people keep coming back and keep doing service and keep you know keep things going. And um, people have helped me so much, and it's it's just wonderful to to be here with you guys. So enjoy the rest of the convention. And I'm looking forward to our next two wonderful speakers. Thank you, Katie. Love the line. I just uh, lo- enjoyed being on the dance floor, sharing recovery with everyone else. That was a great line. Uh, I'll carry that image. Our next uh, speaker is Alice, and you're doing a great job with Timekeeper. All right, Alice. Hi, I'm Alice. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi you guys. Um, we is a really important topic for me. Um, I, um, just to qualify, I came into program in, um, actually it was Memorial Day, 1984, so the Olympics were in Los Angeles, and, um, I was in my mid-twenties, and, um, 
I came into the program because I knew if I lost weight, I would get married, and then everything was going to be okay. And there was a really handsome guy in the meetings that I started going to, and he kind of rooked me into all of these meetings. He said, well, so it's a Monday night, right? Memorial Day, 1984. He said, well, a lot of people go to Wednesday night loss in Cenas. So I go to Wednesday night loss in Cenas. I don't even know if these meetings are still in Pasadena anymore. So I'm there on a Wednesday night, and he goes, well, anybody who's anybody is going to be at Thursday night Alhambra. And you've got to go to Friday night Glendale. I mean, that's a speaker meeting. And back in the day, there were 20 or 30 people in that, or I'm sorry, 200, 300 people at that meeting. I mean, it was huge. And um, then, so that's Friday night. Then Saturday morning, there's a meeting at um, a hospital um, I kind of forget where, but we had to walk by the morgue. It was kind of creepy. But anyway, but I went. It was a small meeting. And then, okay, and everybody goes to Sunday night Al Alhambra, and there's going to be a really good speaker. So I don't even know how many. That was my first week. That was my first week. So I come into program, and I got abstinent right away. And I went on my first business trip to New York, and all hell broke loose. I was... And un, it was like Alice Uncaged. It was bad. I mean, I drank. I It was bad. And, um, and then I came back and got abstinent on June 10th. So I have, as of, you know, just a couple weeks ago, 31 years of imperfect abstinence. And we have abstained. On my own, I got here and I had to eat a bowl of ice cream to change a light bulb in my kitchen. So we have abstained for more than 30, for 31 years. So um, I want to read something. Oh, and um, I, um, well, just, I'll just go on with my story a little bit more. I, um, so I was abstinent for nine long years before I got married, and I had resentments against people who would take a 90-day chip and say, I'm getting married next Saturday, or, you know, uh, six months of abstinence. You know, I got engaged last night, you know, and like, what the hell? Because I knew if I got married, everything was going to be okay, right? Okay, flawed plan, just in case I didn't mention that part. So, um, and like a friend of mine says, God bless these men who marry us, because it ain't easy. It is not easy. And um, so I, um, I did my four-step inventory, and that's why I think I'm still here 31 years later, because I told that woman things that were going to the grave with me. And I got here when I was 26. So it was not a long, torrid history, but it was bad enough for me. It was creepy enough for me. And um, I... Um, probably, you know, I always kind of had about 20 or 30 pounds to lose, and my weight is probably about 15 pounds up from where I like it to be. Um, but I am a 500-pound person waiting to happen, and I have another binge in me. I don't know if I have another recovery in me. So I have kept coming back. The longest I've been without a meeting is about um, two weeks, and that was because I had babies. So I've been pregnant twice, 
and each with each pregnancy I gained and lost 30 pounds which impresses the hell out of me and we abstained through the pregnancies I had a pregnancy sponsor which I recommend because I do not recommend the condition of pregnancy to a compulsive overeater because you are purposefully gaining weight which is the complete opposite of what my life has been devoted to. So, um, oh, I have pictures, you guys. I forgot about my pictures. So um, the first picture, and I know a lot of you guys have seen these, um, but the first picture uh, is me right before I came into the program, and I um, dieted for two weeks and binged the day of this big party because I got here and had lost the ability to diet, which I forget every once in a while. And... um, my date's head is cut out for dramatic effect, not to protect his anonymity, but he was, he was getting his pilot's license. He lived in Orange County. I lived in Pasadena, so he picked me up at the Almani Airport. So that sounds hips looking cool, right? Right. Um, and I was working in the retail industry, which I don't recommend, um, because I was interacting with models on my best day in my entire life. I have never been a model. I am, I, I, it's like a woman said in a workshop I was just in, you know, I was never going to be a Sports Illustrated bathing suit model. It's not going to happen now. And on my best day, I was not a model. Um, then there's a picture, a black and white picture of me um, writing, to, writing to my sponsor, drinking Evian water, and um, because of this fen- phenomenal job, I got a phenomenal job because of this program, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. Um, and then there's a picture of me and a very good friend of mine at the Sweet Surrender Retreat um, at Pathfinder Ranch every spring, and we have a ball. So this is a shameless plug for the Sweet Surrender Retreat because Nancy, Vicki, Lori will tell you we have a ball. And if it's not fun, I ain't going to do it. And the shortest sentence in the big book is nonsense. And that, you know, we are not a glum lot, and we we deserve to have some fun. And then... Um, Lastly, there's a picture, an old picture of my two kids, and um, they are, well, I'm just going to, I just need to cut to the chase on that one. Um, So my daughter right now is 18 and a half years old, and um, my son uh, was 19 and a half years old, and he died of a heroin overdose in January. So um, we are getting through that, and... um, it is an exhausting hell. It is, um, it's absolutely unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. My husband and I are still standing because of you and a million other people like you. And, um, you know, when it first happened, you guys surrounded us. You guys propped us up. Um, I distracted myself with uh, what am I going to wear to the funeral. That distracted me for a couple days. And one of my friends sent me the clothes off her back because I said, you know, Margaret, what would have been perfect would have been that outfit you wore when we just had lunch before Christmas. And she goes, do you want that outfit? I'll send it to you. Do you want it? I'm like, no, you can't send me your clothes. She sent me this gorgeous outfit, you guys. And like my friend said, don't send that outfit back. She wouldn't let me send it back to her. And um, my friend goes, don't send that back to her. It looks phenomenal on you. (laughs) But, I mean, so 
these are the kinds of friends I have, and someone told me because that's the kind of friend I am. And you showed me how to be a friend. The first place I learned how to have relationships was sponsorship. And, um, you know, my sponsor had me buy Seventeen magazine because I wasn't even 17 by the time I got here. I mean, chronologically, I was 26. But I was so screwed up. Um, And um, I was drinking and dating, which was not dating, shall we say. Um, So I had to learn how to date in this program. I had to learn how to be a friend. I had to learn how to be a a sister. I had to learn how to be a um, daughter. I had to learn how to do everything in this program. And thank God you guys were here to show me how. Um, so, um, So I did get married, I mentioned. So we have been married for almost um, 21 years. Um, And thank God for the women in this program who taught me to keep my mouth shut, who taught me to be respectful, who taught me to be a lady, who taught me to stop managing and controlling and directing, um, because I would not still be married (laughs) if it was not for you, you know. Um, So... And so, and um, just about my career, I, um, I always had friends, I went through college, I had a job in retail, which I don't recommend, and a headhunter called me to go work for a dog food company. And because I had, so retail, hips looking cool, models, fashion, whole nine yards, right? Um, So, but a headhunter called me and um, asked me if I wanted to apply for or interview for a job with a dog food company, not hips looking cool, um, but it would have doubled my salary. And um, I'm a shallow, materialistic person. And so I went and, you know, pursued this job and got this job, and it's... um, the company at the well. The, the company is part of um, one of the world's largest companies in the world, and um, it's one of the world's largest candy manufacturers in the world. And my sponsor told me I need to mention that part because, as I've said, I'm a 500-pound person waiting to happen. I have worked for this candy company essentially for um, over 30 years. I worked there for 24, and I retired, and I have been consulting for them ever since. And we abstain from all that candy that is free for the taking in every one of their offices everywhere in the world. And because of that job and because of this program, well, because of this program, I had a lot of success at that job because we, you taught me how to be a man among men, a worker among workers, how to operate with integrity and honesty, uh, my job was, my pr- our primary pers- purpose is to abstain, and my job was to make my boss look good. And I learned how to be a team player because you taught me that. So, um, so anyway, um, that the 30-pound pregnancies and working for a candy company for all these years and not weighing 500 pounds slightly impresses me. So I want to read out of step two coming back to the we part of the presentation. Um, This is on 
Well, this is old school, just the plain 12, 0812. But many of us had asked, page 12, 15 rather, many of us had asked God to help us control our weight, and this prayer hadn't worked. Later we understood why our pleas for help seemed to fall on deaf ears. What we were really asking God to do, to do was remove our fat while allowing us to go on eating whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Um, most of us also needed to learn to ask other people for help and let God speak to us through our fellows. In OA, God's healing power comes to us through a caring community of other compulsive overeaters. Before we joined the OA fellowship, our prayers for help might have gone unanswered simply because we were never meant to face this disease in isolation. We were meant to open up so that we might learn to truly love others. For me, this is the crux of the we part of the program. Um, because, and I'm watching this in my 18 and a half year old daughter, because she wants to do everything on her own, she thinks she knows better than everyone, um, and I, you know, I feel like I went to this meeting um, over and over and over again. It was a step study, but all they ever read was step two. That's how I remember this meeting. And so I read this phrase so many times that, um, you know, I really do believe we were never meant to face this disease in isolation. I cannot abstain with you and OA. We have a shot at abstinence. And I always felt like other people knew how to live life, and I didn't. I missed the instruction book. And we have the instruction book here. It's our 12 steps. And you guys have shown me how to be the kind of person I always wanted to be and just could never become. Um, and I, um, I have a friend who was in, I think she was at, I met her at Thursday Night Alhambra, probably at my, one of my, during my first week of program, and she's still here. She's still in program. And she told me a couple weeks ago that her relationship with me is probably the most mature relationship she has with anybody. And it's because I think, well, I think she thinks so too, because we're both still in the program. We both have been coming back for over 30 years. So that's what we get here, is the ability to have relationships, the ability to have thriving marriages. And um, when I moved from Pasadena to Orange County, I quickly started complaining about this husband I waited nine, young, nine long years to marry. And um, thank you for listening. <laughs> and that man has been amazing through this in unbearable grief process that we're going through. Um, he's just been amazing. And... Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I learned to tell my sponsors the positives as well as the negatives. I'm glad I learned to brag a little bit about myself to my sponsors so that when everything is crap, crappy, you know, they'll remind me, yeah, but Alice, you are really successful. That company loves you. I mean, they did everything they could for me to not retire, you know, um, it was embarrassing. I mean, it really was embarrassing. And, and they were floored that I was old enough to retire. 
here. <laughs> I liked that um, for an early retirement. But um, and um, and I love this company, and um, and I do good work for them. And you know, you guys taught me that because this is the truth. I thought they were going to fire me for 17 years. Honest to God, finally my sponsor said, "Honey, after 17 years, they know everything there is to know about you. They love you." stop. I can't listen to this anymore. <sighs> so, um, I, I also heard in a, um, in, uh, over the years I've, I've heard about, you know, the challenges that people have had to face in, in the program. And people have told me, you can find someone in the program who's walk through whatever you might have to walk through. And um, my mom had a severe stroke, um, gosh, I guess it was 12 years ago. And, um, you know, my mother was a devout Catholic. I'm a recovering Catholic. And um, we, uh, you know, my sponsor told me, call a priest. You need to talk to a priest, honey. I didn't want to talk to a priest. I talked to a former nun. <laughs> I talked to a nurse. I was talking to doctors. And she said, honey, you need to call a priest. And so I talked to a priest. And, um, and everybody gave me wonderful advice. And um, because I followed direction and listened to people who had walked through, um, you know, the late state, you know, their parents' illnesses and feeding tubes and no feeding tubes and comas and all this stuff that my brother and I were facing. I have complete peace over how my mom died, you know, and um, thank God for the people in this program. And even going through our son's death, I have found women in the program who have lost children. And, um, you know, I am now part of a club nobody wants to be part of. And um, it's just, it's completely unbelievable, and it's, um, it's bad. It's really bad. That's what I can tell you. Um, and for this, these few hours, I'm here thinking about somebody besides myself. You know, I have we, you know, and um, I'm really, really, re really grateful for that. Um, and I'm really grateful for um, these women who I am calling who can relate to the loss of a child. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who are going through, who have gone through or are going through what my husband and I are going through. And it, until it happened to me, I had no idea um, about uh, how, how unfortunately m this happens with some regularity, unfortunately. So, but it's, it's something nobody should ever have to go through. So, um, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. I found Overeaters Anonymous. I'm really, really grateful that I've had the willingness to stay here for over 31 years. I'm so grateful to everybody in these rooms who welcomed me, who showed me how to work a program, and who have just friggin' propped me up these last six months. Thanks again for being here. Thank you, Alice, for a heartfelt and vulnerable share and uh, for the great line, 
For these few hours, I'm thinking of someone other than me. And that's uh, that's what it's all about. That's, that's the we. Um, our final speaker is Christina. Right? Come on up, Christina. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. And um, what sh- what they said, that's what I, you know, ditto, I guess is what I want to say. Um, I heard so much about m- uh, my share and what they shared, and in particular that uh, section in uh, step two out of the 12 and 12. I had also intended to read that. Because it's about isolation, you know, that was, um, that was my life. You know, I felt so isolated and had the secrets. And I would, you know, have this great, happy, smiley face, you know, pre-program. You know, and then I'd come home, and on the way home, I'd stock up the car, and I'd close the curtains, like it says in the, you know, in, the, in our OA uh, 12-step book. And I would turn the TV on. And you wouldn't see me till Monday morning when I went back to work, you know. And um, so I'm just so grateful for OA. Um, To qualify, I'll tell you, I'm a retread. So I was in the program. I came in in um, 1993. And the very first day I came in, I was struck abstinent. And I lost my weight. And I stayed at goal weight for 10 years. And... um, I had all those promises come true that they talk about. You know, I had this fabulous life, and uh, the promises were really, really coming true. And um, I remember uh, it started probably with my mom, her, or and my dad, I should say, his um, failing health. And I come from a large Catholic family as well, and there's five of us kids, and but. I was the one, you know, that was closest to mom and dad, and turned out I was, you know, um, my dad's recovered, had 35 years when he passed, but he was a recovered, a recovered, al- no, let's see, a recovered alcoholic, um, let's just say he wasn't drinking, but he didn't have a program, and um, so he was hard to be around, but I was one of those that just loved him anyhow, and the rest of the kids were like, F you, dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it was on me. And I was taking care of mom and dad, and um, and I remember having the conscious thought, you know, because I was in recovery, and um, I just all of a sudden decided I didn't need to go to that meeting. If my parents were going to die, I didn't want to have any regrets. And I made this conscious, you know, and the, thus began the relapse, you know. And it n- doesn't happen right away. So if I can just say, you know, it took me um, six years to come back. I relapsed out of the program. That was just the beginning of it. You know, if you're slipping and sliding, the minute you start feeling resentful about people and you think you know what you know and you think you're better than them and what the hell's wrong with them, how come they're sitting in the meeting and they're fat and they're just coming, what the F, this program's jacked up, how come people aren't recovering? I had all that those stories going on in my head at the time. And, um, man, I just resented myself out of the rooms. And so um, it took me six years to come back, 
and I had to gain 100 pounds. And like someone says, I've got the 500-pound, you know, girl inside of me. And I'm just grateful for the um, program was still here, you know, when I came back. And um, and it wasn't like the first time. You know, first time I walked in and I got abstinent, struck abstinent, and that was that. And I lost my weight. And I came back this time five years ago. And the first year I slipped and slided, but I still lost 20 pounds the first year. I don't know how it happened. I'd get a couple days and then I'd slip. So if you're one of those, just keep coming back. You know, I guess my story is about it's never a straight trajectory. You know, it has not been for me this time. And um, so I love my heart goes out to the retread, to the slippers and the sliders, you know, because now I'm one of you. (laughs) And... um, I have learned valuable lessons. Um, I remember that first year it being so hard. I was so resentful of myself for having left. And how could I? And what the heck? And I was humbled and I was scared shitless that I was going to keep going. And I was going to be this larger-than-life woman, you know, and I couldn't stop eating. It was tough. So I'll just say that, you know, uh, a beautiful friend of mine told me about a 12-step with a 12-step study that involved a lot of work. And I remember the first time, you know, I never really, I always wanted, you know, I'd always gotten by, I I call it in retrospect, that I was in OA light those first 10 years. (laughs) And then when I came back this time, I had to, I I was on my knees a lot, surrendering and surrendering. And um, this beautiful friend of mine invited me to a a 12-step a big book study at someone's house and uh, they told me what I had to do and how much homework and it was going to be hours a week and I was like okay I can I mean I whatever you know I need this I knew I was in trouble and so um many of you know who've done the steps that when you go through the fourth step it's you know the oh my god the dreaded fourth step but it was in the fourth step that I was struck abstinence this time and um and it's um I took a four year chip on June or May thirtieth this last year, so I have four years abstaining and I've lost about sixty five pounds of that hundred and um I have more to go. And um, you know, again it's been a struggle. You know, this this time when I did my fifth step, I did a fifth step that was so thorough. I'd never done it before, you know. So it does talk about that in the big book, you know, complete honesty. And I had held on to a lot of secrets. And so this last time, you know, that I did it, um, it was, or that at that time, the first time back, it was amazing. And um, I recommend, highly recommend, you know, working with our textbook. You know, our textbook is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And... Um, I take people through. I have a couple sponsees I work with. Um, I'm a big part of the fellowship. Um, the we in the program is they've you you have saved my ass so many times, and um, I always think of the things like uh, some of the slogans I love are uh, you know my best thinking got me to 290 pounds you know, um, so that same mind cannot heal that heal that in me, you know, so when I want to, when I hear a newcomer, any comer say, oh, it's a, you know, because we've got that chronic disease of, I can do this myself, I don't want to be a bother, oh, I don't need a sponsor, 
I'm going to get that big book study and I'm reading the questions. I'm doing, I, yeah, you know, I'll ask a newcomer, hey, what's going on? You, you know, you working with someone? No, I got the big book and I'm answering the questions. So I'm doing, I'm on step three now. Oh, you know, I mean, there's no right or wrong in the program, but this is a we program. We're not meant to do this alone, you know, because our sick minds, it says in the big book, can't fix you. You know, you need someone's clean, sober, abstinent, you know, and guide you. And it's not the reliance on another person to take you through, you know, the work is where the recovery has been happening for me. Um, so what else can I say on the we? There's just so much. The we that um, put this on, this program, this event on this weekend. Uh, we have a uh, San Diego group of people, and um, they've stepped up to the plate. And I usually see, you know how that goes. Some people work harder than others. You see them out there. And phenomenally, of course, they're all the skinny ones, huh? the skinny minis. I just love it, you know. And I'm like, okay, if I was just willing to do a little more work. No. <laughs> so um, service is slimming, as they say. And um, let's see. So another we that comes to mind is um, I definitely, because I haven't had that, I might kind of make up my mind and you get it done kind of person. And so this not being at my goal weight right away, you know, like last the first time, I um, have struggled with that shame, embarrassment, you know, and wanting to leave the rooms. And um, so the we, and, you know, my sponsor, I'll share with her on that. And she says, I want you to talk about that at the meetings. And um, that's the disease, you know, the disease just wanting whatever you've got going on, whatever story is in your head about how you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not nice enough, you're not handsome enough, you're not short enough or tall enough or, you know, all the, the stuff, that's that disease, you know, that's that spiritual malady. And um, so what I've found that works for me is, you know, just to being honest about it, I share it, and then I get busy. I start picking up my, every time I go to a meeting, I pick up as many phone numbers and I'll make two to three calls a day. You know, to just newcomers, strangers. And it's, it's always stunning to have people say, no one called me. You're the first person. I'm like, wow. How, you know, you've been in program three, four months saying newcomer. I'm the first one. So, you know, it's kind of like, oh, there's some work to be done here in our fellowship, you know. And, um, you know, just say, hey, what's going on? Nothing particular. I don't have anything. I have no agenda. I'm just like, hi, I saw, I saw your name. I don't even know what you look like, <laughs> you know. And... um just to ask them questions if they have questions about the program. Pretty simple, you know, for just a little bit. I'm not thinking of myself and my own problems. And before you know it, you know, my meals are becoming smaller and smaller and the food becomes less and less important. Um, yesterday I heard someone uh, read about the first step at the opening ster- ceremonies. And, you know, I, even in your when you're in program, I feel like I need to get pumped up. You know, I need to hear 
start at step one again, you know. So um, I heard someone just share about, you know, just surrendering. And um, today had to be one of the best, or even last night, and this all day long was one of the best food days I've had in a, in a long time. And so it was just feeling, wow, this is great. You know, this is how it works, you know. Um, it's so simple, you know. Just let it go, you know. You just don't, you know, food, just let it go. Let's keep it simple, you know, so that I had noticed I was like, oh, I have my little salad, but I need a little something, something. You know, and when that little something, something comes up, like I had not been relying on God, I was leaning back again on the, oh, a little something, something, and a little, like, little something, additional food, something, something, <laughs> not a little something, something, like I need to go take a walk with a girlfriend. I think the, is this on? Yeah? Okay. So, um, you know, I need to take a walk with a girlfriend or I need to go dancing or I need to go to the, you know, do something fun that I like, a movie that I've been wanting to see. You know, those are the kind of something-somethings that I want to start doing instead of the reliance. You know, I had started relying on the food a little bit, you know, and I'm sure that's why my weight's, you know, staying the same. So um, I'm really grateful for the fellowship. I'm really grateful for all of us here that keep coming back and we lift each other up. And, um, because I am no different than you, you know, the, I was thinking these, um, these gentlemen who put together our 12 steps of a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they were smarties, you know, they said we, because they knew me, you know, hey, don't tell me what to do. You know, if that book had been written, you need to. I would not be here. Or they said, uh, or I, 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 or I, 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 then I'd be like, well, yeah, you're different. I'm not like you, you know. So I just really love that they knew who we were, and that's why the 12 Steps works too, you know, on that uh, working with others. Like it says, you know, when there's, um, you know, when I'm, uh, I tell my story, you know that I'm authentic and, and uh, real, and you know that you too, you know, your struggles are my struggles, and vice versa when it comes to the food dilemma. And um, I guess, let's see. I was going to share, I was going to say, so let me just say here, I'll I'll cut to my notes here a little bit. I said the big book, big, 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 big book writers were some smarties. They know me and they know you. On page 52, they spoke about us, and that's something they call the bedevilments. They said, I have trouble with personal relationships. I had great relationships, but just don't step too far. You know, you just need to know how far, you know, right? I was one of, you know, that's that's how the world was. Like, I'll let you go far, but boy, you just, there, and nobody knew where the, the line in the sand was, right? So, um, made it a lot of people tiptoe, you know, so I've got this bedevilment. It says, uh, I couldn't control my own emotional nature, and I write to myself internally or sometimes, unfortunately, for you externally. I would tell you what was going on, right? And then um, I was prey to misery and depression. If I could uh, make a living, and many of us can, but it was never enough. And praise or prestige 
just, you know, there was not enough of that. I always wanted more, you know. So this fellowship is just, and the last thing, uh, we had a feeling of uselessness, and we are full of fear, and we were unhappy. So now, could I really be of any help to others? And I'm thinking, I'm so busy thinking of myself and how I feel that I'm not thinking about you. I'm not being able to be of service, right? Because this disease is one of self-centeredness, you know. I think the anti um I was, I've been taught in the fellowship that um, getting out of myself is the cure for this disease, you know, working with others, thinking of others, and it doesn't always have to be program. I can just be thinking of the little lady next door who's a little isolated, you know, and I can pop by and bring her some flowers from my garden or, you know, just for a moment, think of someone else, and boy, that, that is a bright spot, as it say, um, you know, that cheers me up every time, and... Um, I guess I'll end with that, that I'm just really grateful for the fellowship and the we, and um, I'm going to continue. I'm not leaving. I know what happens when I leave, <laughs> and I hope you guys stick around as well. Thanks. Thank you, Christina, for uh, sharing with us the anatomy of a slip and uh, the hope and the grace of finding our way back. So we have uh, eight minutes, and uh, if someone has a question, they could yell it out, and uh, we'll have our, one of our speakers uh, speak to it. Anyone have a burning question? Yes. Okay, for the tape, the, the question was, um, so I talked about being an isolator and how doing service can get you out of isolation, but am I still an isolator? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still a compulsive reader. I mean, I've been abstinent for almost 14 years. But I'm still a compulsive reader. So, uh, you know, I love, um, it's a practice, you know. Um, uh, and, it, and, and with anything, the practice makes it easier. Like, things become more and more of a habit. So, um, you know, I, I, I more often get, like, if the solution is to call somebody and ask for help, I, I will more often than not do that. Um, but there are times I'll resist it where it's like, no, man, I just want to, I don't know, sit here and be miserable. Or I'd rather watch TV and forget about it and not think about it, you know. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but it's, again, it's, it's, like, it's like abstaining from the food. you got to do it one day at a time. You know, got to practice one day at a time. And it gets easier and gets easier. But there's days where it's not so easy. <laughs> so hope that answers your question.
Okay, so for the tape, the question was, how long have each of us been in program? So I've been back 15 years, and I've, like I said, just said, I've been abstaining for almost 14. Uh, just over 31 years. And five years back in program, but 10 years before that. Uh, you know, 10 years in, six years of relapse, and five years back. So it's uh, time for us to close. won't have time for sharing. Why don't we uh, thank, with gratitude, our three speakers. And uh, ask that uh, we join hands, stand up and join hands and close with the OI Promise I put my hand in yours. Does anyone know how that goes? You do? Would you lead us through it? Okay. I'll go really slow so you can repeat after me if you need to. Okay. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for a power and strength. For power and strength beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs> Keep coming back, it works. <laughs>